This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lesson 47 of the Equine Clicker 101 podcast on the Horse Radio Network, helping the barn sour slash buddy sour horse. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Equine Clicker 101 is brought to you by Vianova Priority Depositive. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, I'm going to talk about a, a really big subject. I don't even know how I let it go so long until we got to it, but it's separation anxiety. It's the barn sour or buddy sour horse and how to help them to, to be more confident and how to help them to be comfortable out on their own. We'll talk more about how and why as we get into the classroom and we really go through it, but it's a really important topic. It's something that happens a lot. And sometimes they're good in certain situations, not so good in others. So we're going to talk about how things, different strategies we can do to change their emotional state behind separation anxiety or the barn sour, buddy sour horse. One of the things that people ask all the time is where can I buy clickers? Where can I buy side bucket? Where can I buy, you know, book, whatever, all those little pieces, all those little things that we use in our training, how to buy, where to buy targets. Well, you can find them at my website. So if you look up shaunacarish.com, you're going to come across my website. And so what you do, you go there, you go to the product page and you will find uh, different categories and you can find a list of products and you can kind of search there and find out what is available or if anything appeals to you or even just give you ideas how to make something of your own. You know, I'm not averse to that either. And when you get there, what you're going to find is the Shauna Karish page is also connected to the Vianova page since I'm part of that, that team there. So what we're, so, so take a look around. There's a lot of great things happening here at Vianova. And you know, as you already know, this episode is actually brought to you by Vianova Priority Depositive. So let's find out a little bit more about them. At Vianova, our mission is to bring awareness of positive reinforcement training to the mainstream equestrian world from the top competitors to the casual enthusiast. It helps to create happy horses and ultimately improves the athletic performance. So if you are performing with your horse, it can help you to have a happy athlete or it can have you a happy trail horse, whichever you want. It creates a unique bond with your horse and it can be used to help save some behavioral issues on the ground or even under saddle. As I said, I'm based out of there and I have the expertise and experience that can help bring you to the next stage of the game. Also, Vianova offers coaching and education and positive reinforcement that enhances any training program. And we're based in lovely Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's a great place to come for workshops or positive reinforcement, but also enjoy the Southwest scenery shopping and dining. And boy, do we have good dining. Visit vianovatraining.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and you can stay abreast of what's going on out here via Nova. All righty. I'm kind of excited about this topic because it is so very important and it is so common and it, it pops up sometimes where we don't expect it. So I think it's a really, and it addresses the emotional state really a lot. It, it really has a lot to do 
with where they are mentally in their place and where they find safety and where they find comfort. So I think it's a really important thing to, to address. And I really, I was trying to refer somebody to it the other day. And I realized, wait, I never did a lesson on this. So I'm kind of excited that I'm I caught on to that. I cottoned on to it. All right. So separation anxiety It is, it can look like the horse who whinnies when you leave. So sometimes people want to take their horse and go out for a trail ride or take them to the arena or go to a show. And the horse that's left behind is whinnying, whinnying, whinnying. Sometimes they even have other horses there with them, but they get themselves in a panic and they worry about it. Or it can be the other side of it, that the horse who leaves, the horses in the paddock are like, whatever, we're good. We're here as a herd still. Or even they just don't, they're not worried about it. But the horse who left can be the one who's winning and carrying on and really over threshold and in, in duress. You know, it's very clear that they go into duress. So what we want to do is help them to be more comfortable with that. How do we help them to learn that this separate, this separating is a, is a safe thing, that this isn't something that you should be worried or upset about. And, and typically what I find is the more we do positive reinforcement training, the more I find that the horses are quite comfortable leaving the other horses because they're kind of like, well, I'm going off to do something fun. So I'm good. I'll be back later. But the horses who are left can be quite worrisome. And in the beginning of the positive reinforcement training, that oftentimes isn't the case yet because we haven't built up a strong enough reinforcement history. So I, what it really tells me when I see a horse who's having separation anxiety, for some reason, they are feeling insecure in leaving their buddy or their herd. Now, it, it can be that they think they, they may be gone and they may never see them again. It could be that they oftentimes feel safe there and they going away can present uncertainty to them. So they would rather be eating, you know, grazing in the pasture with their friend or, but sometimes it's the one left in the pasture and he's the one saying, no, no, no. Oh my gosh, what's happening? Where are you going? So there can be a real bonding that happens. And, and typically to me, it represents that there is more safety with that horse or in that situation than there is in being with the person, the human, the whatever environment we're taking them to. Now, I want to also preface this, is it doesn't mean that what you're doing is bad, but it, it could mean that, you know, that they had some trauma when they're weaning. You know, it can start as early as that. Sometimes the, the weaning process isn't a gentle, empathetic one. It is one where it's cut all ties and they don't understand why their life source and their safety is now gone. Their mom, who has protected them and fed them and, and done everything with them, is now not with them. And that can be quite unsettling. And that can set them up for a lifetime of worrying about thinking they may lose them forever. So that it can be that that is where some of the separation anxiety comes from. It can be that that they've gone off and, and done things that we thought were fine, but maybe it's too much for the horse. You know, it's they don't understand that they're being, you know, worked excessively in the round pen or whatever it might be or under saddle. And so it can be kind of it's much better and much safer to be with their friends. So. We don't necessarily know what the cause is or where it comes from, but it definitely, to me, shows that there's some emotional insecurity related to the separation process. So what we want to do is change that. But 
let me also point out there's the buddy sour horse, the buddy or the barn sour horse, the barn sour horse. Sometimes it has nothing to do with another horse at all. Sometimes it does, but I've had horses that do not, they've been left in a stall too long. They have had scary things happen outside of the stall. They don't even want to leave the barn. They don't want to leave the stall. That's just where it's safe. And their little cocoon is where they feel safe. Now, is that tragic? Of course it is. That's really, really sad. So I've worked very diligently with some of those horses to help them learn that good things happen outside of the stall, away from the stall, and to start turning it around where the world is full of things that might be first, not scary, maybe just neutral, but eventually where we really hopefully pique their curiosity and they start to develop more interest in the world around them. And again, it often relates to feeling safe. Being in their stall is safe and predictable and they know what that is and they won't get in trouble. But going out in the world or having uncertainty can can represent a, a lack of safety. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. It's the safety factor. So if they're feeling like they need to be safe, what does it tell you about what they think the situation is? So if we're taking them away and they start whinnying and worrying, they're worried. They're worried about the horse they're leaving. They want to be there where it feels safer than with us where it doesn't feel as safe. So we really want to set out to make our time together to be representing good things, to showing good things to them go, I can't wait. I love this part. And that's why I said with a horse doing positive reinforcement, oftentimes they, they quite look forward to going out because good things happen. There's something in it for them. So like I go out there and I get to get food and that's really a good thing. And you know what? It's not unlike their mom. You know, their mom was the first one who regulated and gave them food with contingencies. And so utilizing the food in a systematic way, it, it becomes, I think, really a part of their maternal relationship. But so I think when we go out there and we're utilizing food, but we also, there's another really big aspect. And I want to just deal with that or, you know, mention it, address it, I guess, right here and now is a lot of times people think that the training is all about the food. The horses are only doing it for the food. Well, if you're doing it correctly, it is not all about the food. The food is, they'll walk away from the food in order to continue playing the game. So I think that is very, very significant. If we do the positive reinforcement correctly, it is not all about the food. The biggest part is really playing the game and solving the puzzle. And that really says something. It isn't the food. They have the food. They have plenty of food, but it, and, and they have the same food we were using but they want to come and they want to be stimulated and play the game and solve the puzzle. And that is a really important piece is us making sure that we're keeping the game afoot. We keep the criteria moving enough that it's challenging, but not so much that they can't find the answer easily. That's the art folks. That's the part where the art meets the science, the rubber meets the road. And it's a tricky part, but it is really essential. And, and I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to, I think you can't say it too much. <laughs> is that the uh, they did a study in the 60s where they gave animals, I think it started with pigeons, and then they went on to other animals, but they gave them free food. Then they took that away and taught them to hit a lever for food. Then they gave them both options back. And which one do you think they chose? They tended to choose the lever, hitting the lever, ignoring the free food, and going to the lever for food. So there's something intrinsically in all of us 
that really does want to, to work for the food. Not so hard that it's ridiculous and super stressful, but we do want to go and go, I'd rather do something for it. So I think that is super significant. And that is when we do the positive reinforcement in a systematic way, and we're doing it, we're classically conditioning the behaviors, we're building on things where we're keeping the game afoot. It is not all about the food. So I just kind of dressing that here now because I hear all the time and I want really pe to people to really understand it. This training is so profound and deep. It changes, it changes their mental place. You know, it changes them so deep inside. It changes our relationship in such a different way that it, this is what addresses the separation anxiety, to be frank with you, is it, it is as we change things, they start looking at things differently. They have endorphins and dopamines when they're doing the sessions and look forward to our time together. So it's an intrinsic part of it. Okay. So now that we've kind of talked about the bigger picture and we could go on and on and on there, but basically what we need to do is start developing a stronger reinforcement history when they are separated from the horse. So now as the horse leaves, whether it's leaving the barn or leaving the horse or the horse leaving them, all of that triggers something that makes them think, oh, I don't feel safe now. I don't feel secure. Good things, bad things probably happen or a lack of good things happen when, when I'm by myself or, or whatever the particular scenario of the separation anxiety might be. So what we need to set out to do in order to change where they are mentally with this, we need to build a new and improved reinforcement history with being apart from the other horses. So that sounds simple enough, doesn't it? But how do you do that? So what people tend to want to do, they want to take the horse so far away that the horse is over threshold. Now the horse is panicky. He's worried. He's in fight or flight. He's got cortisol coursing through his system. He, he's not in a good place to learn or to be able to slow down and even process and make decisions. We've got them over threshold. We've got them in a place of concern and worry. So what we need to do is break it down to smaller, itty bitty, teeny tiny steps, a place where we can make it a little challenging, but not so much that they can't make good decisions. So first of all, I be sure that they have got um, the bridge conditioning, Liberty leading the target are all strong, strong lessons. So those are the first three lessons and you can do stationary targeting too. The first four lessons are really important no matter what you're going to do. And sometimes I suggest you just go back and listen to them again, because there's still pieces in there that you're going to miss or you've forgotten about, or you, you didn't catch the first time around, or now you're in a different place. So you hear it differently and, and it's a reminder. So don't hesitate to go back and listen to those sometimes. But so be sure you have those first four pieces in place. The next thing I do is think, okay, I need to take my horse a little bit away, but not so far that I lose them. So how do I do that? And one of the things that I have found to be a great thing to do is to make a little. So let's use this scenario. Let's say it's when the horse, the horses live in their paddock together. When I take my horse away, he starts to whinny and he starts to get concerned. So let's use that as the example. So, but, but if I, I try to think to myself, when does his nervousness start? Not when does the winning start? Not when does the carrying on start? When does the head get a little bit high? When do the eyes look just a little bit bigger? When does the body look slightly more tense? Look at those nose, look at those lips, look at that chin. All of those things tell you that there's tension. So when does that head raise just a little bit? That's the point I go, this is threshold. 
if I go back two feet, you're probably good. If I go forward two feet, it's going to escalate just a little bit. So this is where I call threshold. I want to work just below threshold. So I don't want to take them to the point where I have them alarmed. I want them to have them in a place where like, okay, I'm, I'm alert, but I, but I can still focus. So a lot of times that can happen as soon as we put a halter on. So what I'll do is I'll put the halter on. I work with the horse a little bit and with a target and a clicker, and then I put them back. I mean, I, then I take the halter off and that's it. But a lot of times we need to separate them from the group just because you can find yourself in a situation where you have four horses all fighting over your attention or fighting over with each other over the food. And so a lot of times what I do that has been a tool that I've used over and over and over and over again is I will get those, uh, I will set up like a little portable paddock. And so oftentimes what works really well, if you're, we're in the desert, we have really hard ground. So we have a little bit harder time with it. But for most places, if you get those step in electric fence poles, you know, those white ones with the spike on the end and you just step on and push them in there. It's easy to set up. You can get 10 of those and make a little tiny paddock. And it's not for the sake of you're not doing anything big in it. It's just to have a place where you can have your horse relatively safely at liberty or you're minimizing, you're giving them options and choices, but you're also, you're creating a little place where you can kind of contain them. So what I do is I set that up with a little bit of the white webbing, being sure that the horse knows what the white, that is respectful of the white webbing. You don't have to electrify it because a lot of times they, they already, they're going to avoid the white tape anyway, because somewhere in their life, a lot of horses have been exposed to electric fencing. So it is just putting up the white webbing as a tape and I make it the fatter stuff and I put it around on my little portable paddock. So if I have a horse who's really, really, really worried, what I might do is set that little portable fence up inside the paddock, just enough to keep the other horses out, to have my horse in, be able to feed him in there, ask him to target, ask him to target. Can you walk with me for a step? Stop. Can you turn your head away? Give them a bunch of food. I mean, a high rate of reinforcement because we're, we're taking these scales that say being with the other horses is good. Being by myself is not good. So there's a whole lot of weight on the side that says panic and act up when I'm separate from the other horses because I'm, I'm showing my duress. So what I want to do is get relaxation and, and that part doesn't have any weight on that side of the scale. So picture it like a balance scale. As we start putting weight on the side that says relax, 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 pretty soon they get to a point where they're about even. At this point, for me, it's that means they're tolerating it. Doesn't mean it's good. It means it just isn't bad. So it could go either way very easily. I keep going until those scales are weighted so heavily on the side of relaxation and not on the side of acting up. So they pretty soon are going, I love this. I, this is what I want to do. So I have to start, though, at a place where I can get their focus. So a lot of times by setting up the uh, portable little pen like that, you can do it inside the paddock, you know, so they're not even walking through the gate, which can be a big trigger for some horses. So it's just right in there and they get them focused. I would look for focus to be on you as best you can. And so even if it's just glancing your way with eye contact, I might say, that's great and give them a pile of food. And remember in a situation like this, in order to weigh, to rebalance those scales quickly, the more reinforcement you put on that side of the scale, the quicker it will change. So I go, hey, you gave me a little, here's a ton. 
that's great. And then I let them go now after they're done eating. So what I do is I really am trying to one, I know that they're anticipating this is going to turn into 45 minutes of arena time that first I had 20 minutes in the cross ties or getting tacked up or whatever it might be. But, you know, this has turned into a 45 minute hour deal that I'm away from the other horse. And what you're saying is I put the halter on, we come in our little place. This is great. Do this, do this. Here's a bunch of food and you're done. And so then they start going, one, I got a lot of reinforcement and two, I wasn't taken away, which is scary. So that can be a huge thing, a huge way to get started and to start rebuilding that reinforcement history. Then when that's going good, I move that little portable paddock and I move it outside of the pen. So it still may be attached to the fence of the paddock, but I just moved it outside. So now they walk through the gate into their little workspace. I close it up. We do a couple things in there. During that time, I may start building up where it's a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. So it's looking for more focus. I'm looking for more you know, we can start learning new things like picking up your leg or a retrieve or a stationary target in a cone. There's things you can work on that you can do in there that helps engage them, helps them playing the game as well as reinforcing them for the time alone. So now you start turning it into this is a fun and engaging place to be. And that's really important as, as that time starts to build up and you can get more tape and more um, little poles and make your little paddock a little bit bigger. Those things are relatively expensive as things go, inexpensive. So it makes it easy to, to build those and make those and take them down and put them back up. And as that's going well, the next thing I do is I move it maybe 15 feet away from the paddock and then maybe another 15 feet and then another 15 feet. I take the time it needs. And so I don't move it to the next step until I feel like from the get-go through the entire session, they were not worried once. So if they worried a little, but they came back to me, I think you're not ready to go further. I need you to come in, not even look over your shoulder. I want them to come in and go, I'm with you. And they go, I'm with you. We're doing our thing. It's great. I don't even care where they are. And then I, I continue to build to the next stage once I see them really solid at that stage. So then I just keep moving it up till it's further away till eventually and more time and further away and more time until we can eventually. And then what I start doing is seeing, can I take them out of sight, but, but in a place that I can bring them back into sight, you know, so maybe there's a barn that's not so far away, but I put that arena right around the corner, that arena, the paddock right around the corner. So we go out of sight. And as soon as they're good, I reinforce, reinforce and bring them back into sight and then out of sight. Or you could even set it up in a little bit of an oval where you can, within your little paddock area, walk them out of sight, in sight, out of sight, in sight. So they start getting the idea of not even seeing the other horse. Now, keep in mind in the, at that at some points in here, you may have the other horse who's used to your horse acting up and carrying on. So the horse may feel like. Well, wait a second. This is a part where you, you act up. I better, I better do that to you, you know? So they kind of start reaching out to them and can start creating their own little fuss. So they have, they've thrown, they've shifted the context. They've thrown another piece in there. So just do the same and work through those pieces until your horse is like, I don't really care. I'm not looking. I'm staying focused on you. And I think that that part is really important. This, this process usually doesn't take all that long. 
because the horse is being engaged. They have things they can do. Now, I think the harder part of this equation is the horse who's left in the paddock. So if you're a horse, your horse can go out and do things and they're all fine. But when your horse is in the paddock and the other horse leaves, then bad things happen. That is, or that's their perception anyway. They, they get worried. They go over threshold. They start winning. They start feeling like oh, it's all just horrible and it's going to pot. So what I will do a lot of times, I will still use that same little portable paddock, but I put the other horse in it. So now I just put him in there and then I work with my horse when the other horse is, is in his little paddock, even within that paddock. And then the next thing I do when that's going good, I move it to outside the paddock. And then I move it further away. And I may also get help and have somebody stand with the other horse or give the other horse like a, uh, you know, a, a slow feeder or something that has or just put hay on the ground. So they have something that they can or a toy, one of those toys that has treats in it. But they may roll it out of there. So you got to kind of keep track of it. But give them something that they're engaged and they're not apt to want to go anywhere. So kind of keeping them engaged. And if you need another person to do that, you can do that. Or just to be sure they're not breaking out of their, their little paddock. So, but then I move it further away and move further away. So you're working it backwards. Now your horse is inside. The other horse is going further away until your horse is good with working with you. Now, I'm going to tell you, when you're in there, that's all well and good. That's pretty easy to get them. We're like, whatever, I'm good. I have company because it's the same kind of mentality as a horse is going out to do stuff. But when it may fall apart is when you step away. So when you step away, then they're like, my friend's gone and my human's gone. So now what do I do? So in that situation, what I have a tendency to do is I leave them with um, a jackpot feed. So that's a magnitude reinforcement, meaning I give them a sizable, good amount of food in a, a bucket. You know, so I put it either on the ground or if it's a dusty place and you need to, I put it in a little one of those little rubber feed pans or something so that I can I can give them a reinforcement as I step away. So it can be kind of an end of session cue, but what you can also do is you step away and then come back in and do a little session, then step back out, then come back in, then step back out, just come back in. So what you're trying to do is break down the predictability of when you step out of the paddock, that's it, everybody's gone. You say, no, I can step out and I can come back in and I can step out and I can come back in. It doesn't mean that it's the end of your fun. But build up those periods of time where you're away or you're sitting and looking in another direction. Build it up a bit until your horse isn't worried about it. You want to build duration on that. All of this stuff is to be building duration on. So the other thing that I will oftentimes do when I leave is give them, just like the horse in the portable paddock who I am leaving on their own, I may leave my horse with not only a jackpot, but maybe a hay ball with some you know, carrot pieces stuffed in it. So it can be something that is engaging and, or some low carb treats, something that can be engaging and give them something to do as the human steps away. So it's, it's starting to build reinforcement history with time alone. So that's kind of your two general scenarios for trying to build up, um, some independence on each side of that equation. Okay, with the horse who's barn sour, um, if it's a buddy sour just in the barn, then you'd, I would treat it kind of the same way, where maybe I take the horse out 
and I do something and then maybe I walk to the end of the barn, but I come right back, you know, so it doesn't go very far. Figuring out where is that threshold and building up that reinforcement history till they're like, whatever, what other horse? But if it is a barn sour situation where they're like, I don't want to leave my stall. My stall is my safe zone. Then what I do with that horse, it's not unlike what I did with the other, the other situation. But what I'll do is I will simply take them right outside their door, reinforce, 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 and put them back in. Take them right back outside their door, reinforce, 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 and then put them back in. I save more reinforcement for being outside of the stall because being in the stall already has a lot of reinforcement. So the time together with the other horse, the time when, you know, they're going back in the stall, all of those things have a reinforcing value to them already. This is what they want. So what I try to do is save the food reinforcement, the heavier side of it, to be for when the time is apart and the time is separate. Now, keep in mind, if you go too fast, too far, you can actually kind of poison the whole situation where they're like, oh, here she comes with a clicker. That means the separation's about to happen. So you don't want to do that. You want to keep it to a place where they can manage it and you can help them to cope with that situation. So that part is really important. And also you don't, if you get them where they stop eating when they're with you, even if they're not winning, that means they're over threshold. So if they stop eating and they normally are eaters, or if you take them back a little bit closer and they start eating again, it tells you that they're going over threshold. So pay a lot of attention to where is their comfort level? Where is it that they're comfortable? And then I'm just going to go, can I just go, gosh, a tiny bit. Can we just look in that direction? Good. That's perfect. Feed, 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 bring them back to it. So always bringing them back to the, the comfort zone. In the very beginning, like I said earlier, I keep these sessions really, 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 really short because there is a lot of adversity for being separate from the other horse. So what I want to do is say, just for a second, can you focus? Here's a lot of food. And then on top of it all, I'm going to put you back with your buddy or back to your stall or whatever the place might be. So I think that kind of covers up, covers some different scenarios. Of course, as in every single behavior on this whole class that we're doing, there, there's always going to be more scenarios and more cases and we can't cover them all, but we'll give you some ideas and give you some food for thought and get you thinking and aware of what your horse is doing. And remember, any if your horse is choosing to be you know, to act a certain way, it means it's more reinforcing for them to act that way as opposed to the other way. So as we set out, we think, okay, I see you screaming and, and worried, but what I'd rather you do instead of focusing on that part, I want to focus on what do I want to see? Don't think I don't want to see that. Think I want to see relaxation. So as we do, you start looking and think, I want relaxation to be more reinforcing than that other thing. And they're always going to choose the behavior with the strongest reinforcement history. So it's up to us, since we're the ones that chose them to be in this training program, they didn't ask to be here. It's up to us to figure out, how can I help you to be comfortable here? How can I help to, to change and help you to understand that this is a safe situation? And it doesn't mean by fussing at them or yelling at them, that can make them actually add to their anxiety. Instead, we want to find ways that we can truly help them to be comfortable from the inside out. Okay, so... What we're going to do is um, we have a uh, most of our horses here are pretty comfortable with being separate because they have positive reinforcement. They've been worked on 
things. So what I'm going to do, Henley and Jet have been really, really, really good friends. So we, he's been here just, just almost three months now. So, but because he, she's a yearling, he's just a four-year-old. They're closer in age. They play a lot. And so they spend a lot of time together and they're really, really good together. So that's all well and good. But I have noticed a few times when we're out and doing things because we go so often together that I could be creating a little bit of a, a dependence there, you know, that she thinks I go do fun things with Jet and my humans. So what I want to do is be sure that I'm addressing it before it turns into a big problem. I have seen her a couple times, not Winnie, not leave, not be able not to focus, but she'll lose her focus for a minute. She looks around for where he is and then she gets back to me. So that doesn't mean it's a problem yet. But it means it might be on its way to a problem if I'm not proactive in this. So I'm going to bring Henley out. And what I'm going to do, we're going to have Jet in a paddock that's separate. And I am going to work her where we walk away from him. We go out of sight from him. And then we'll see how that goes. And we'll build up that reinforcement history. So that's what I'll be working on. So you find somebody. And, and, and get your, your setup together. If you need to go get some tools to make a little reverse round pen that's safe and that you can use separately, go get those things. Get your side bucket, get your food, get your target for sure, and, and get your horse. But remember, we're not going far from their, from their worry spot. So go get those pieces together, and I will meet you at the barn for our lab time. Okay, talk to you in a minute. Okay, so for right now, we have, I'm here with my friend, and she is Greta, or is uh, Jet's owner. So we're here together, and we have Henley and Jet in the, we kind of have a trailer Liberty Paddock, so a trailer's part of the, the this turnout arena, and we have some obstacles in here. So they come in here and work a bit. So we just put them in there for a minute, so they get to kind of see it and be have their little buddy time together, because they do get turned out every day, a couple times a day together. So... Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put, I'm going to have um, Greta, or, uh, Jet's owner stay with Jet, and I am going to go get Henley, put a halter on her, and right across the way from this arena, we have paddocks, individual paddocks. I mean, they're permanent paddocks. I didn't make them because I didn't have to do that in my situation, but you may have to in yours. But these are, I don't know. Uh, 75 feet away from this arena. So they're within eye shot, they're within ear shot, but they are now going to be separated. And I can, because there's a bunch of them, there's like 15 of them, I can go down the row and move her to ones that are a little bit further apart. So I am going to be working on building up a strong reinforcement history with separating from Jet. I don't anticipate this being a huge problem. And even if it was a huge problem, I don't want to get it to the point of too much anxiety and too much carrying on. So I'm just going to keep a really close eye on all of her body language or facial expressions and, and listen to what she's telling me. Because while they can seem subtle to us, they're loud and clear communication, really. And the horse feels like they're loud and clear. Okay, Hen, come with me. So I put her halter on, and this is great, and I reinforce her for that. I tend to reinforce her for that a lot. And now we're going to leave this area. Then I'm going to close the gate behind me. And 
Now we're going to walk to the nearest paddock. I'm going to reinforce her even as we're walking away. So I'm clicking and reinforcing just when she's walking. What, and this may seem like if somebody was watching this, this may look like I'm not doing anything. But when she is walking, walking nicely with her head down and walking forward, keeping her head to herself, but her eye kind of on me, that's what I want to see. So I want her head forward. She's taking in the world, but I know she's keeping an eye on me too. And that's perfect. So I'm clicking and reinforcing that. Does she do that well already? Yes, she does. But in this situation, I don't want to take it for granted. I want to let her know we're off to do something fun and you're doing a great job doing just what you're doing, which is about nothing, it seems. So, and now we're over to the paddock right across the way. So I'm going to put her in there and I'll go in with her. And then I kind of took up her halter. Good. And I latched the gate. Now we're in here together. And, and Jet is over with his owner right now. And she's reinforcing him. So this is actually, we're both working on both of them at one time. Because we've created a bit of, we do everything together. Because I'm teaching Jet and his, his, his human. So it, we do a lot of things together. Because it's a great way for me to be working and watch what's happening. And, and that goes great. So now she's over there and keeping Jet kind of busy with the trailer and the obstacles and Liberty leading and lifting his legs. And we have a mounting block in there. So that's all great. So Henley's over here with me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to work on her stay a little bit. A stay is a nice quiet behavior. It is kind of helping to continue to work on that relaxation. And so I think that's good. It's keeping adrenaline down as opposed to bringing it up. So that's great. Henley stay. Perfect. And so this is just early stages and I'm taking a step back. So I'm reinforcing her for that because that was great. So I clicked and I fed and, and keep in mind when we shift context, I've talked about this a number of times when we shift context, we may lose criteria. So by me saying we're doing this separate from your buddy who you just left, because if I just brought her out by herself, she'd be okay. What I find a lot of times watching the other leave or leaving the other is almost the very worst time typically of the separation anxiety. So a lot of times if they just were doing something and then they came in and nobody was there, they don't always think it's that big a deal, but watching their friend walk away can be quite stressful. So for a horse is already kind of hyper alert in that situation. So by separating them, these two, we actually made a difference. So that was great. She's doing good. So I, in this context shift, I've lowered the criteria to not expect her to be perfect because she might be quick to go, well, what's Jet doing? And so I just want her to be focused. So I lower my criteria and say, that's great. And we're going to walk off a little bit, do a little bit of Liberty Le Good, Liberty Leading. And I just did a right-hand turn and she's great at this. I'm using familiar behaviors. These aren't things that she's not familiar with. Like her stay isn't up to criteria yet, but she knows enough of it, you know, so I'm not introducing some challenging new thing. And so that's great. And she's doing perfectly. And let's try to stay from the other side. Stay. Okay. She kind of backed with me a little bit. Henley, stay. Good. And I step back and I step back. Okay, perfect. I reinforced her for that. So that was good. Now we're going to trot a little bit because I feel like she's dealing with the staying low and the anxiety pretty good. I have seen her just look over there a couple times just to see what he's doing which is not necessarily bad, but it is, it's enough that I think 
well, she does feel like she needs to know what he's doing or is curious to what he's doing. So I want her to be more focused on me and less on him. Not that this is at a bad level, but I just want to be sure that I'm giving, I let her look, that's no big deal. I'm not going to stop her from that. But as she brings her attention back to me, I say, okay, good. We're going to move on and do some things. So I just make a mental note that she's looking a little bit. Okay. We're going to go over closer to the fence where we have Taz over here. And Taz is uh, another young mare who is closer to uh, Jet's age. She's probably three now. And she is, uh, she's, we're going to go over there and kind of visit with her on the other side of the fence. These two, Taz gets a little grumpy with Henley and I, d I don't know why, but we'll just kind of go over there and visit a little bit. Good. And then walk her away. Okay, perfect. So she's doing great in here now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back over to the gate, put her halter on and take her to the paddock that's behind this paddock. So they're kind of back to back, but it's going to be further from Jet, and it's not going to have a neighbor right next to her. So it's going to be one step more isolated. So we put on our halter, and that's great. Good girl. Okay, little one, let's go. So we're walking now, and I can still do the Liberty leading, even though she it's not Liberty now because she's on a halter and lead rope, but I can practice the same concepts with her. So I'm going to stop on the way. Good. She stands nice and centered, keeping her head to herself. So I reinforce over where I want her head to be. And now we're going to walk big. And now we're going to walk slower with slower step. Good. Now I reinforced her for that. And again, it's a kind of focusing on the downward transitions because it's more in line with relaxation, which is our goal here. But I want her to be able from to go from energy to no energy. But I don't want to add to any adrenaline that might be a little below the surface. So now we're around the backside, so we're a little bit more isolated and a little closer to the coats, which is not her favorite thing either. So that's all right. She's all right with them, though, but she does kind of take a look at them in a different way than she looks at Jet. Okay, so we go in here. This is great, and she's doing great, and she's with me, and I actually have a cone with the target in, in here, so I'm going to send her. Hey, Henley, can you target? Good girl. That is really good. One of the things we just sort of started working on that I use the stationary target in the cone for is the spin. So I'm going to just do an approximation towards that. Henley, can you spin? Perfect. That's good. That was only like, it was more than a quarter turn. It's probably a 65 degree turn to the target. And that was great. And I'm going to give her a jackpot here. I'm going to, I have a, um, one of those rubber feed pans. I'm going to give her a bunch of food. I'm going to step out of this pen while she eats her food. And so here you go, sweetie. And I gave her kind of a bunch. I dumped it in there. Now I give enough that she is going to be going to grazing mode. You know, she's going to, she's not thinking, take a couple snacks and what are we doing? I want her to shift from this place of seeking. What are we doing? What do I need to do? What am I thinking about? And get her to just enjoying the fruits of her labor. She sought food and now she has it. So now that she is reaping the benefits, I want her to shift from the, how do I get it to enjoy what I've earned? So she's going to do that. And what I find a lot of times I use these for end of session cues all the time because it shifts their mindset from kind of vigilant to, to a little more relaxed and grazing. So I find that it helps them to let go of the, the seeking and just goes into a grazing mode. So I love that. So I'm going to step away for a minute. And there's enough to, to help her keep staying there with that. So I step away. 
She can hear that. I've taken her, the, the halter is off. I've taken the halter with me. I've shut the gate and now I'm latching the gate and I'm going to step away for a bit and I'm going to turn halfway away from her. <clears throat> so she doesn't feel me just staring at her, which they're very aware of, even if they're not paying, it doesn't seem like they're paying attention. And so she's eating. Okay. She kind of looked up a bit. She looked back over her shoulder where Jet is. She looked to me and then she just went back to grazing. So that's really good or to eating her, her jackpot. We don't have grass here because I'd love for her to actually graze, but we don't have that. We need to have dirt. So <laughs> we have to make grazing situations. And mostly I use hay pellets. And then I did put some carrots in there because I, I knew this was going to be maybe had the potential to be a little more challenging. So I put some carrots in with the hay pellets and she's doing great. And so I'm going to walk up and I'm going to put another handful in her bucket. And that's great. I stepped aside again. I'm going to close it. Okay. So now she's not quite done, but it's okay. I'm going to get her now. And I'm going to go put her halter on and I'm going to take her back to Jet. So we're finishing up our session. And what I chose there, I didn't want to let her finish her food. I think she would probably be fine. But she might be a little bit more like, well, now I'm bored. I'm a baby and I want to do something. And my human's gone and Jet's gone and my food's gone and I'm in neighbors. I don't want her to get to the place of being worked up. So I walked out. I came back, gave her more food and walked out again. So now I want to go get her again because I'm actually reinforcing her. Taking her back to her buddy is actually reinforcing her. So I don't want her to get worked up and then go get her because then I could actually be reinforcing her being worked up. Now, so, so I, d I would rather reinforce her when she's good and not paying any attention to Jet. And me saying, yeah, I get it. I'm going to take you back to your buddy before you even need to show me that that's what you need to do. So that is great. I'm going to go and take her back to Jet and put her in with him. So I got the halter back on and we are making our way over to Jet. Now, I remember one time at our barn in, in Maryland, at a, at a barn at the eastern shore of the Chesapeake Bay, way back, way back when. And um, we had like one person boarding there. And so because it's small, we intentionally built it where we couldn't have porters, but we just had a person there and she, somebody brought their horse in for lessons with, with Vinton and, and Georgie, our young guy was running back and forth in the paddock, kind of excited that there was somebody there and he just loved to meet everybody. And so she said, Oh, he was running back and forth. So I threw him some hay. Now I thought to myself, Oh, good. He'll never do that again. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say anything because it was kind of a rare, op a, a rare time. It's not going to happen a lot. But what she essentially did is she reinforced him. If she reinforced his running by giving him hay. So ideally I would have liked it if when he settled down, she would have said, here's some hay, but, but that wasn't the case. But there is a caveat here. If I feel like the horse is continuing to get more worked up and, it could either be dangerous either for them mentally or physically. I give them, Hey, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I would have thought of that. I would have thought through that earlier if I thought he was going to do that. But if I can get him, but I knew he wasn't upset. I knew he just was excited and wanted to see them. So I would rather wait till he settles down and say, that's not going to get you anything, but, but being settled will, but 
if they feel like there's a danger to themselves, to others, they're, they're getting so worked up and sweaty and, and they're just, it's just over threshold. I didn't plan that well. I didn't do that well. Do whatever you can to get them safe and settled. And the next time I'm in that situation, I think, okay, maybe I need to give him hay when, or I need to work on this when that horse trailer is way, you know, is a half mile down that driveway so that you can see it, but it's before it gets kind of more and more and more and more exciting. It means I let it go too far in my head. So if I had taken Henley and she started to whinny as we were walking away, I'm going to think I need to go back and I need to find where is that threshold? Where can we work where we don't get this response? That's really, really important. We want to keep them under threshold, under threshold and just to threshold. Remember, getting to threshold in my my definition isn't losing their noodle. It is at a place where they are just going, where are they? You know, but it's not, where are they? It, it's simply, I'm just paying attention. And so I think that that is important that we can take them up to that and then bring them back down and build on that slowly without taking them to the place of extreme or to me, it's extreme worry. It's just, we don't need to put them in a situation that causes them to fret. So anyway, so that was great. I thought that was a great session with Henley. It was great for Jet. Jet remained pretty good the whole time from what I could see, but I was more focused on my little gal over here and, and we will continue to work on that a bit. So I'm going to go ahead and take these guys home. You get your horse to a good place where you feel like you're in a good place. You're ready to, you know, you don't need to go long where you think that that might be uh, good for your horse and you put everything away, put your horse back to a safe place, back with his buddy or back in his field or back in his stall, wherever he's most comfortable, put your stuff away and meet you back in the classroom. All righty. So here we are. I hope that went really well for you. Or the other thing that happens in those times is I learned so much about my horse or the horse I'm working with at the time because it's one, they're at liberty. It gives me a lot of information so I can kind of see, oh, if I go 10 feet away, there's a little bit more worry than if I don't, or, or I'm good 10 feet away. So it helps me by studying their behavior in new situations. I learn so much more about them. Okay. So homework, of course, is always important. You, this is now the homework in our situation is an ongoing thing. You know, this isn't something you do tonight. This is something you're going to do for the next few weeks, next few months. You may be doing this for a long time and you may get it really good at home. And then you go to a show and this happens a lot. All of a sudden your horse is attached to whoever was next to him. You know, he doesn't even know him sometimes, but they're like, but you're my security. And, and that, again, it tells me something that there's more security in the other horses than with me, but in a situation where it can be so, uh, so uncertain because they're in a different place, they don't recognize any piece of it. It's okay, but you want to be able to teach them to be a little stronger on their own. So it's, this is a long process that you're really going to be working on. And it can be like, even like I said, with Jen Lee and Jen Lee, Henley and Jet is it's not a, 
I'm not sure it was a problem, but it could go that way. So I'm addressing it already to hopefully prevent it from going that direction. So I will continue to work at it. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it every single time. So keep in mind, if these separations are hard for your horse, try not to do it like be pushing it every time. Just do a little session where it's still kind of in the comfort zone, but you're still building on that that plateau there. So it's not to be like every time it's just harder and harder and harder and harder until they lose it. You want to keep them from keep them in the comfort zone. Now there may be times that you still need to do things to ride your horse or get them exercise. I encourage you to not put them if you possibly can. Sometimes we can't because of circumstances we couldn't foresee or, you know, the other horse has to leave. It's not your horse to do something with. So as much as you can try to set them up for success. So if I have to ride my horse, I might ride around the outside of that paddock, you know, so I can still get exercise, but we're still close enough to the other horse. Maybe I just ride a little circle a little bit away, reinforcing at the furthest edge of that circle and then bringing them back to the other horse just next to the fence or closer to the fence, that serving as the reinforcement there, but utilizing the food, the primary reinforcement as you get a little bit further away. So there's a lot of tools you can use, variations of this to help your horse to get stronger and better about things. And it could be that your horse starts to learn, okay, I'm good as long as I don't have tack on, because if I get tack on, I might be going for a trail ride and then I'm away from my friends. And worse yet, I might be in a place that's kind of uncertain and scary. So again, just let the situation I just talked about build up little circles, a little further away, a little figure eight back to them a little further and reinforcing them for the calmness on those on the little bit further away, a little bit further away. So that is something that you want to work towards slowly. Don't, and you don't have to do it every single time. You know, you can be working on other things. Once I, I find once they're really engaged with the training that they, a lot of times they just go, Ooh, we're doing my favorite game. So that part is really important. Again, it's harder for the horse who is left in the paddock. So there's a lot of scenarios there that we can cover that I couldn't cover because sometimes I see a place, I'm like, oh, you know what I would do? You know, and I have a different idea or I get a little piece of information from somebody and I realize the situation is a little different than I may be picturing in my head. So you need to be a little creative and coming up with ways that you can create a little distance, still keeping them safe or resolving solutions. If your horse, if your neighbor's has to go in and you can be around either have a, if you can be there, take them in the barn with them and just bring them in and groom and do stuff and do the little bit of separation. You know, you can work it without the other person even be really aware of it. You can walk a little closer, a little further, a little closer, a little further. Or another thing you can do is have those, uh, you can get like the nose it balls, which are like balls. You can put treats or pieces of carrots in. You can get hay balls, put pieces of carrots and hay in there. Give them things that are engaging that they can do while the other horse is away. So if you know that your partner is coming to, or your horse's, your neighbor's horse's neighbor, his, the human is coming to get the horse at five o'clock, have a couple of those balls set up and see if they can't throw them in ahead of time so that your horse has something to do and hopefully can help to minimize the worry there. Ideally, I wouldn't be putting them in the situation again, but sometimes that's not for us to be able to always have control over. That'll slow your progress down, to be honest, but it, it, it doesn't mean you can't keep working towards it and eventually get to a better place. Okay. I think 
that about covers it. I, I hopefully you've got a good idea or at least some steps and things to think of as you move forward and trying to build up your horse's confidence being separate from other horses, from the barn, from buddy or whatever that might look like. <laughs> anyway, all righty, you guys, you know that you can listen to this episode, this whole series, all these lessons on the horse radio work app. It's on, you can actually listen to it on most of your favorite podcast players, but you can definitely listen to it on the Horse Radio Network app, which is available for your iPhone, also your Android device. You can download it for free, of course. It's just search for the Horse Radio Network in the App Store. And of course, it's easy to use. I mean, that's kind of the beauty of it all. And if you haven't searched around there, I really recommend that you listen, search through those shows on the Horse Radio Network. There's so many fun, light, informative, educational, good horse people with good horse shows on the Horse Radio Network. So go to www.horseradionetwork.com. Also, as I mentioned, you can find products like targets and clickers and side buckets and my book or videos or, or whatever. You can find those on um, my website, which is shaunacarish.com. You can also find Shauna, or you can find Ask Shauna tab. The Ask Shauna tabs is where you can ask questions. I answer them on my YouTube channel. So it's another way to get a lot of great information. And so send that question in there. And you can also find, we have the podcast on there. So there's a podcast page. And as I mentioned earlier, that my website is together with the Via Nova website. So there's my pages, but it's all kind of one site. So you can search around and learn more about what we're up to. And eventually at some point we will have workshops again when the world is back to some semi-normalcy. But in the meantime, you can find out what we're up to and, and keep abreast of all that's going on out here. Anyway, that's it. I hope that you enjoyed this today. I hope that it helped you and gave you lots to think about. And until next time, bye-bye.